part of a series called Maxed Out right now. And this is all about how to make space for meaning, and particularly God, in a crowded and hectic life. We did this at the beginning of the year because the holiday season just happened, and many of us feel like we survived the holiday season, right? The, the wires are frayed, we're barely hanging on, now it's over and we get to take a deep breath, feeling mildly guilty that we aren't reminiscing about how great it was and that we're secretly glad we can sleep in and, and catch a breath, right? But for many of us, that maxed out feeling has carried through. And we talked about last week that the problem, really, that makes you feel maxed out, you can't handle anymore, can't handle one more thing, you just want a vacation, you just want to get away, that is stress. And if you feel stressed out, we talked about one of my favorite books, Margin, by Richard, Dr. Swenson, I think it's Richard Swenson, and he says, hey, if you feel like you're suffering because you're stressed, you are. There's a type of emotional pain that goes along with too much stress. You're hurting. That's why you feel like you're hurting. And last week we talked about how it's okay to acknowledge that and make space and begin to step back away from the edge instead of going over. And the Lord wants to take you away and not over. Amen? Amen. 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 Today we're going to talk about one of the biggest, if not the biggest area in our lives where we feel stressed out. Normal people that are sane and have very low stress levels, you bring this up and they become different people. Stress maniacs, all the systems fry, and that is money. We're going to talk about money today. And now if you don't have money worries, God bless you. And you know what, seriously, pray for some of the people that do. Because there are some people that have this weird grace to be at peace with all things concerning money. Uh, actually, Israel Yoder, one of the elite team for 320 Beyond, is one of those people. It is weird. That guy just deals with money like nobody I've ever seen before. Have him pray for you sometime. Yeah. But most of us, myself included, know a thing or two about money stress. It's not just me, is it? It's okay. Lots of other people. Good, good, good. We're all saying we're all human. Well, I'm going to talk about four different things to relieve that money stress tonight and bring God into it. And those four things are this. When it comes to money and money stress, we are going to look it in the eye. We're going to show it who's boss. We're going to refuse to be ashamed, and then to close, I have it when all else fails, which is a surprise. Mm. We're going to look it in the eye, we're going to show it who's boss, and we're going to refuse to be ashamed. Does that sound good so far? Yeah. Let's open it up with Clint Eastwood. We're going to look it in the eye. How about that stare? I wanted a, a meme of like him like, like laying out those three guys. I think it's a few dollars more, but I thought maybe that's not appropriate for church. So... <laughs> I decided to just tell you about it, which basically negates not using it, and here it is. So Clint is looking some bad guys in the eye, right? He's got his icy, tough guy stare, and he needs business. So this is what we're going to do, step one with our money stress. Now some of you, if you're really in the middle of it, like I have been in my life, you're already feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't want to look at it, it's a monster. I don't, I, I just can't even go there. We're going to do it. We're going to go there. We're going to look at it. I'm going to show you that that's actually good. Check it out. You have to acknowledge the stressor. In my life, I have spent most of my life not being rich. In fact, I've spent a great majority of my life being poor. Now, poor is a relative term, and when you say poor, people don't really know what you mean. I mean stretching Denny more with extra beans poor. Okay? I mean peanut butter and bread for dinner poor. I mean not having money to buy cigarettes, fishing when you get off work to catch a catfish 
to eat for dinner. Poor. Poor, poor. Like hoping people give you food going to the food pantry poor. And that didn't last for a long period of time, but it lasted long enough that even my grandfather, who went through the depression, shook my hand and said, you understand. <laughs> I was like, like, dang, I don't understand like you do, for sure. But there was times in my life when I had zero money. And you know what? A lot of those times were my own fault in retrospect. But still, poor is poor and stress is stress, right? When you don't have the money, you don't have the money. But we're going to acknowledge the stressor. And this is biblical. Jesus, all throughout the Bible, God in general, loves to make you look at the thing that freaks you out. Look at this in Scripture. Well, first, let's look at Chris Valentine. I wanted to include this quote. This blew my mind when I heard it. Chris Valentine, he's at Bethel over in California. He was talking about healing, and he was kind of ribbing people that don't want to go to the doctor. Like, Jesus will heal me. Jesus will heal me. He said, man, you're just scared to death. You're just scared to death to go to the doctor. You don't want to know what's wrong. He said, listen, faith goes to the doctor. Amen. Faith goes to the doctor. They give it a name, and then they get healed. Right? So sometimes... You just need to go to the doctor. You need to acknowledge the stressor. Look at it for crying out loud. Here are some verses on that. This is from the Old Testament. The Israelites have been wandering around in the desert. They're about to go in the promised land. God has said, I'm going to give you this promised land. When they're in Egypt, I'm going to give you a land. They're in the desert, I'm going to give you a land. Now they're at the land, and God says, I'm going to give you the land. I delivered you. You saw all these miracles. As sure as that happened, this is your land. Now go check it out. Doesn't that seem weird? Let's read this passage. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up into the Negev, and go up into the hill country, and see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Interesting. God tells them, This land I'm giving you, first I want you to see it. Do you think God knew that there were freakishly big cities with freakishly big giants in the land? Do you think it was a surprise to God that when they came back and said, they're, they're huge, they're going to kill us. God's like, yeah, I wanted you to see that. That's what I'm going to give you. Go look at the problem. Let's look at another one. When they finally go into the promised land, they fail the first time. They see the problem and they don't trust God. They come into the first city and it's a fortified city. It's Jericho. And God tells the people this. First of all, the gates of Jericho are securely barred. Other translations say strongly fortified. So this is a serious city that seriously doesn't want to let anybody in or anybody out. They're, they're on to the game, right? They know they're coming. They're ready. So the gates of the city are strongly barred because of the Israelites. No one went in. No one came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, just like the promised land. Hey, guys, it's as good as yours. Now do this. Oh, I've delivered all the people. Now march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. I just want you to look at it. Let's go around and check it out. Securely fortified, it's barred. This is a, a strong city. I want you to look at it for six days. And on the seventh day, it'll fall down. Go look at the problem. It's yours, but go look at it. Jesus operated like this too. Blind man on the side of the road. Jesus is walking by. The blind man cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's emphatic. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He's embarrassing himself. People are trying to be quiet. But Jesus' problem with the guy wasn't that he was asking for help. It's that he was vague. So Jesus says, why don't you send him up here? 
And then throwing his cloak aside, the blind man jumps up to his feet and comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man now has an opportunity, standing there in front of everybody blind, to say, well, you know, I mean, just mercy. I mean, I guess, like, uh, Jesus, if anything comes to mind, you're a prophet, you could just do your, you know, zap me, do your thing. You know, like, if you think of anything, I have tons of needs, Jesus. I mean, just whatever, your will be done, Lord. Oh. But the guy doesn't do that. The guy's like, I'm blind. I want to see, man. He names it. And when he does that, Jesus says, according to your faith, you've been healed. Immediately he receives his sight and follows Jesus along the road. Your money is a stressor that you have to acknowledge. In fact, it is absolutely rock-solid truth that we show God the most respect and we end up giving him the most glory when we thoroughly examine the issue we are asking him to deliver us from. Hmm. When you really know what it is, if you get healed from not feeling well, that's great. But if you find out that that not feeling well is cancer, and then you get miraculously healed for cancer, does God get more glory for that or less? Amen. More glory. Yeah. Go to the land and spy out. Walk around the city a few times. Tell me exactly what you want me to do for you. We have to look at the money. This means knowing where the money goes. This means knowing how much and when it's coming in. I was the king of small purchases. Is this true? Like 15 years ago? <laughs> like, I don't know where the money's going. Well, you spend like $1.75 at a time, four times a day, every day. That's where your money's going. There's not some secret sieve in your bank account. You know, I just needed to look at it. So, this is principle one, and it has to happen. All right. Second. Cute dog meme. Let's just drink that for a minute. Show it who's boss. So we got the little annoying dog bothering the sleepy old dog, and the sleepy old dog barks at it and runs away scared. As it should, darn it, because that dog has no business having that much attitude in front of a much larger dog. Well, I'm going to say that your money problem has no business looming as large as it does in your life if you're a follower of the king. Amen? You've looked at it, you've named it, now we're going to show it who's boss. You have to manage the stressor. Have to manage it. Once you look at it, you have to manage it. If you're stressed out, if you're maxed out in this area, you are no doubt, no doubt you will quote this saying to me, manage, are you nuts? I can barely manage to survive. This was me in my life many times, all right? I have realized this one thing with the help of the Lord. If you feel like you're barely managing to survive, you have to manage to survive. You have to. You have to look at where everything's going and how much. You have to know how much is coming in. You have to plan for your future. You have to write it down. A couple months ago, I took to writing down every single expense, every single income, every single transfer by hand in a grid notebook for months. And it opened my eyes in ways I had never had them opened before. But I acknowledged and I began to manage. And one interesting way you can manage your money is, I'm just going to give you one example from my life, and it's this. This is my new friend. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have, I thought I'd forget to bring him tonight, so I took a picture. This is my new coffee mug. I don't know if you can see in there. Now, I was at Walmart getting an oil change, and there they were. The coffee mug I was looking for. But I thought, this is Walmart, so I'm not going to buy it. They can't catch me. It's got to be cheap. So, I googled best coffee tumbler. And I found this website that listed seven of the best coffee tumblers not made by Yeti, because Yeti makes like 
stupidly expensive stuff, and on it is this Ozark Trail coffee mug for $6.75. I went back to Walmart and I got two. Why did I do that? This is about managing money and not spending money, right? Because I've realized no one is forcing me to buy coffee out four times a week. My favorite coffee is $5. It's the sinking ship over at Fourth Coast. Now I just tip up to the minimum. That's $20 a week. I realized I'm that guy. I can do just as well with instant coffee. In fact, I do. And if I have a coffee tumbler that I love, I don't mind drinking my instant coffee. This thing has paid for itself since the beginning of the year. <laughs> Ask God for some wisdom, and there are little ways that you can manage your money and show who's boss. Little interesting ways that no doubt will be unique to you, as my shiny black and silver buddy is to me. All right, now, you know if you're desperate, you need to manage your money just to survive. But what if you're not desperate? What if you have a lot? What if you're doing well? The Bible says a lot about this, too. You have to manage to thrive. Oh, you just rhyme, survive, and thrive, and be a cheap creature gimmick. Hold on, wait, don't, don't judge me just yet. This is far more serious than we think. Yes, amen. It is way more serious, because Jesus wants to help you survive. He really does. He's in it with you. He wants to remove that stress and give you wisdom to deal. But when you have a lot, whoa, man, if you're not stressed about having a lot, maybe we need to examine our hearts a little bit, because the Bible says an awful lot about having a lot. This is from the parable of the talents in Matthew. The man who had received five bags of gold, just incidentally, the NIV translates this bag of gold because the amount of money is so great. It's something like 20 years wages. Yeah, so the NIV is like, we can't fathom that. We're just going to say bag of gold. So the master goes away and gives this guy five bags of gold, which is astronomical. It's huge, a gigantic amount of money. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the crazy part. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So right away, we see this astronomical amount of money in God's eyes. It's not such a big deal. That's not a lot to me, says God. You think you have a lot? That's not a lot. But what matters to God is how you handle the lot. Are you going to be faithful? Because that is absolutely critical. And if you are faithful, if you manage it well to thrive, then you're the kind of person that can be entrusted with greater riches. And not just physical riches. And Luke, he ties this into spiritual things overtly. I believe this is from Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Same point as the last parable. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? It matters how we manage our money. I realize this isn't necessarily helping alleviate stress, but this is a good way to look at it, is it not? So if you're poor and you don't have much and you're trying to figure out where the money for the bills comes from, take a deep breath, man, because God's going to help you survive. But if you've got a lot, take a deep breath and think about how you can manage it better according to God's will. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's right. All right. Moving on a little bit. So we know that we need to manage to survive and manage to... And we know we need to speak clearly and slowly. Manage to survive. Manage to thrive. But Anthony, I don't know how to do that. Great. Get help. 
The church is full of people that know what they're talking about. Hmm. In New Day Community Church, we have a bunch of people that are great with money. And they will be great with your money, confidentially, and they will help you if you have the humility, coupled with the wisdom, to admit you need help. Make sense? Yeah. Incidentally, do not ask me. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to research some weird, obscure word, I'm your guy. You want help with your money? Bless you, I can point you in better directions, okay? There's Daniel. It's, it's, everything's going to be fine. But do get help. All right, so we've looked it in the eye, right? We've acknowledged the stress, and you've mapped it out. You know exactly what it is you're dealing with. You've come up with a plan to manage it, either to survive or to thrive. And if you don't know how, you've asked for help. So now we're doing pretty good. The last step is this. A lot of times we get maxed out, stressed about money, simply because we think we need to be embarrassed. But do not be ashamed <laughs> about your money situation. And the opposite about being ashamed of your life situation is, of course, Naruto. Yeah. And if you haven't watched Naruto, you're forgiven. But this is about perseverance. This is about not letting your life get you down. Naruto's a cartoon, by the way. The guy's a poor orphan. He has nothing. But he refuses to be held down. He refuses to be judged by his situation. And in the end, he's excellent. He's excellent. And he kind of embodies this point. We need to persevere. We need not to be shamed about our money because poor or rich, poor or rich, your monetary situation is nothing to be ashamed of. That's right. We do weird things in church. Yeah. We have poor people that are embarrassed to be poor and rich people that feel guilty being rich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Can we just say stop? Yeah. <laughs> just stop it. Stop. We're going to talk about some things that you should be ashamed of in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> church, let's come back next week. <laughs> but it's not your money, okay? Because money is not the point. Look at these better thans. Being poor in the Bible, far from being talked about as the worst of the worst, through some sort of judgment from God, is considered better than an awful lot of stuff. This is just from Proverbs. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Better the poor whose walk is blameless, mm. whose walk is blameless, that is key, mm -hmm. than a fool whose yeah. lips are perverse. Good. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. <laughs> I really hope that guy was single and used his, you know, pontificating. <laughs> Bless you. But look, you've got some things here that are way worse than being poor. And in fact, if you are poor, but you have a house filled with love, and peace and quiet, if you're righteous and your walk is blameless and you have a good family life, you don't need to be ashamed of anything. You've Amen. got it better than half of the rich people. Amen. Put your head up, chin off the chest. My goodness. Just because you're having trouble making your bills, you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from, or you got laid off, that is nothing to be ashamed about anywhere in the Bible. Right. God is in the business of helping you and coming alongside you and raising you up, not making you feel bad because you don't have enough bank or something. That's ridiculous. That's not the God we serve. But you will see that there's an inverse to this as well. And if you're rich, but you have a heart full of hatred, or you're not righteous, or you're cheap, or you have a nasty family situation, poor people are better off than you. Yeah, you should yeah. be embarrassed. Yep. Yep. Amen. Wow. Yeah. So there are some things we should be ashamed about, but it's not whether you're rich or poor. 
Let's move on. This is from Timothy. Paul says this, Command those who are rich not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who is rich, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen. Claim that. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. There he links how we manage our wealth now with what happens later again, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Rich or poor, these are the guidelines. This is the goal. This is what we need to be concerned about. This is what hinges whether you should be embarrassed or, or happy with your current life. Do you hope in God? Are you rich in good deeds? Are you generous and willing to share? If you are, you're doing okay. Nothing to be ashamed of. Don't add to your stress by feeling like you need to feel bad that you can't go out to lunch. Anybody work in an office? Anybody? All right, excellent. Some people. Offices are really weird. I used to work at Walmart, and this would happen to me sometimes. People are like, oh, we're all going out. I'm like, well, I'm glad you're going out. Like, I just looked at, at my base statement, and there's not supposed to be a little line before the numbers. You know? <laughs> you guys, you guys are going out. I'm not going out. But we feel rotten, don't we? And it's not just that we can't have that burger and we have to eat the sandwich we packed. We're ashamed. We don't want to admit that we don't have the money. That's garbage. You've got a plan, and you're managing your finances maybe better than they are. Guys, I can't. I've looked at the numbers, and I'm not going to go out today. I might have the, the money in a few months, but I don't today. I'm going to eat what I pack. And then if they say, that's okay, we'll pay for you, say thanks and go. And let them pay for you. Because the Bible says whoever lends to the poor lends to God. If they give to you when you're in need, they might get a blessing. Tell them, like, I can't get you back. If you buy this for me, like, legit, you're just buying it for me. This is not a two-way street. And if they say, no, we want to buy it for you, go and order what you want. Hmm. And be blessed. Because one of the ways God takes care of us is through other people. But don't add to your stress by being embarrassed about your money situation. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. You will remove much of your money stress simply knowing in your heart that you are righteous, that you have integrity, that you're not doing anything wrong that you know you shouldn't be doing, specifically in money, but in every aspect of your life. God is there to take care of you if you meet this criteria. In fact, on a commentary on this verse, <laughs> I read this. The guy said this psalm was probably written because there was an error easily committed by the righteous poor that they think money would improve their lives. Well, I, I kind of think, hey man, like money would improve my life a little bit. But he's saying, no, no, no. The guy who wrote this psalm wanted to make a point that getting more money isn't the goal. In fact, if you make that the goal, all kinds of trouble ensues. The goal, once again, is righteous living. Why? Because when you do that and God's got your back, you have a fail-safe. When all else fails, call dad. Isn't this what we do? When we were a teenager, you were in trouble. When all else fails, oh my gosh, I don't want to do it. Just write the car. Call dad. Seriously. And I don't mean this metaphorically. I mean pray and ask. You've acknowledged it. And you're managing it. You know what's going on. You're not ashamed. You know you're righteous. God says he's got your back. Ask. Ask. In my life, we have been unable to pay rent. And rent has been slid under the door. Wow, 
because we prayed that God would give us rent money. In my life, I've been unable to afford a car, and a car was given to us. Also, I got a Jeep Wrangler for a ridiculous amount of money when I needed another car. Crazy. I know there are people in this room that have given away cars, sometimes the same one, more than once. <laughs> it's true. That's God taking care of you. I have been given food from the food pantry, dropped off at my door when I needed food. We had Thanksgiving dinner given to us one year way back in the day, I think. We didn't ask for it. We asked God for it. We didn't go around begging people, but we called Dad. And I'll tell you, I've needed clothes. I know my mom in the past, like, 15 years ago, I mean... I'm not trying to air your dirty laundry. Over a decade, I figured it's safe. You know, it's like, you just want new clothes. You can't go out and buy new clothes. So you pray, God, I'd really like some new clothes. New clothes show up. Somebody's like, oh, I just, I got some new stuff. I thought you might want this. I had a neighbor die. True, weird story. And <laughs> the lady gave me his old clothes. <laughs> it's like, for some reason, I just thought you'd like these. And they were like totally in style flannels. And I was like, this is, I feel bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> God's got a lot of ways to take care of his righteous kids. He's got a lot of ways. He knows how to do it. So listen. Do what you know you should do. Acknowledge, manage, to the best of your ability. And put the weight of everything else on God because he likes that kind of thing. Just do what you know you should do. And I might add, what you can do. Alright? Do it to the best of your ability and put the weight of everything else squarely on God's shoulders. Do it in private. If you feel like you need to ask somebody right out front, go ahead. I'm not saying don't ever do that. But the most amazing thing is when you're crying out in the morning or at night and there's no one else around and God answers. And you know it's straight from Him, even if it came from someone else. Amen? Amen. I think this might be the last verse. This is from James. You do not have because you do not ask. We need to call that. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But we already handled that, didn't we? Because we already talked about how being righteous is the goal. So James confirms again, your heart's right with the Lord. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. So just to kind of tie it up in a nice little bow, as they say, when it comes to money stress, look it in the eye. March around the city. Acknowledge it. Name what is causing you stress. If you've never mapped out your expenses and your income, map it out. It might hurt. It might be weird. It might be way worse than you think. But we give God the most glory and the most credit when we look at the thing that we need Him to overcome for us. Also, show who's boss. Why are all those number ones? That is so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> this just did. These are all the top priority. <laughs> it's inappropriate to, name, to number this. Focus here. The second number one. <laughs> second number one. <laughs> <laughs> the 13th number one. All right. This is why you shouldn't ask me about numbers, guys. I don't know numbers. Show it to the boss. Manage it. Manage it. You can do it. There's four number ones, alright? Manage to thrive as well as manage to survive. And if you're in the rare situation of having a whole bunch and you don't know what to do with it, man, bless you. It's going to get so good for you. And remember when you thrive to also bless. Be generous.
The third number one, refuse to be ashamed. Don't add to your stress by thinking you need to be embarrassed about things you don't need to be embarrassed about. That is not the criteria on which your Heavenly Father judges you, and you shouldn't judge yourself by that criteria either, rich or poor. When all else fails, in fact, I would say all the time anyway, just because Dad's generous, ask him for stuff. Ask him for what you need, but also don't hesitate. Even if you're in desperate times and you're managing to survive, go ahead and ask him for what you want. Because he is that kind of guy. And I've had some very extravagant blessings when it felt ridiculous to get blessed that much. Amen? Amen, Amen guys. I'm going to give it back to Justin. <laughs> Anybody else encouraged?